Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Groundswell, an open-ended exploration into the sustainability and climate movement and my quest to document conversations with bright minds in the space. I'm your host, Danny Kirk, and today I'm joined by Dre Thompson. Dre is the CEO of Tucson IDA and president of Groundswell Capital, as well as an award-winning social entrepreneur and public service executive. She is an expert in data-driven program design and implementation for mission-driven community impact initiatives. In her role as the CEO of the Industrial Development Authority, she oversees over 7 million in small business loans, a housing affordability program that has generated over a billion dollars in mortgage loans, as well as a real estate and private activity bond portfolio that supports the mission and vision of the organization. She is a current board member and advisory council member of B-Side Capital Fund and board member of El Pueblo Development Nonprofit. She's on the Marketing Advisory Committee for Women's Foundation, Business Advisory Committee for Pima Community College, and former governance chair for Tucson Young Professionals. Recently, Dre was named 40 Under 40 in 2020 by Tucson Hispanic Chamber and the 2022 Next Gen Leader Award by Biz Tucson. Dre, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Dre, you've got an incredible background, you know, from the University of Chicago, helping multiple organizations, NYU, Startup Tucson, now Tucson IDA and Groundswell Capital. Could you give us a little bit of context around how you got to where you are today? Yeah. I think the the major through line between everything I've ever done is I've always been driven by a passion for solving the big challenges that face communities, that face um country. So I've approached it in several different ways. My actual training is as a data scientist. um, And so I would look at and evaluate social programs um, in Chicago and New York and also here in Tucson to see what is the impact? Are they working? Um, And so I'm kind of a program wonk. I love to establish and build programs that you can measure and see that, yes, we made a difference with what we were trying to accomplish. And I've done that in lots of different spaces. So interpersonal and gang violence prevention and early childhood education programs, but all kind of the similar thing. Can we move the needle on the big challenges that face communities? And then can we measure it? So that's that's a little bit of my background. Um, and I also have a social work degree. So that's a different angle. And most recently, what the big challenge that I've been really interested in is economic development. And that's an area, so I started working with entrepreneurs at Startup Tucson and got really interested and engaged in the way that you can build smart growth in a city. Um, Smart growth being growth that means all communities can benefit and you don't sacrifice uh, the future for your current economics. So So there's this idea of We've seen cities that have grown incredibly fast, but left people behind. We've seen cities that have grown incredibly fast, but sort of lost the culture that made them great to begin with. So that's that's my current puzzle, is how do you build a great city um, with these pieces in mind? Um, And that's a lot of the work that we do at the Tucson IDA, and also with our new nonprofit, Groundswell Capital, which is Arizona's first green bank. Now, I assume you had um, no lack of opportunities before you came to the IDA. What about this opportunity was kind of profound enough to you to take it and want to grow not only the IDA, but start Groundswell Capital as well? Yeah, I think um, working with small businesses, working in economic development, we just kept kind of running into the same roadblock, which was capital. 
you know, we would see these incredible companies that were about to take off and would be, you know, engines of growth, but they just couldn't get that first investment, that first piece of capital to, to get them going. I saw big capital gaps in, in access to capital for minority and women and veteran companies. And so I knew that there's, there were places and people that were, that were being prevented to grow from that. Um, and so that's what really piqued my interest about the Tucson IDA is, you know, we're a finance agency and a public finance agency. So I thought if anywhere can be uh, the investor in Tucson um, and, and in Southern Arizona and in Arizona, it, it's got it's got to come from an organization that is both has the resources to to help our communities flourish and is also mission driven in nature. And before we dive into the Tucson IDA a little bit more, um, tell our audience a little bit about some of the difficulties accessing capital that those of us that you know may have been lucky enough to be born in the U.S. and have amazing credit scores don't realize occur on a daily basis for some other people. Yeah, so that was a question I had. So the first thing we did, being a data scientist, we did a capital landscape study when I started here. So, okay, what? What are the barriers? What are the challenges? And what does the impact of not having access to capital mean for families and communities? Um, and so we uh, did a, a large analysis and we spoke to tons of companies to try to understand their story. And it sort of narrowed down to a, a few pieces um, in particular, which was collateral is required for debt capital. Um, and if you're a renter or if your family and friends don't have a lot of uh, assets, it really makes it challenging you for to just get that first foot in the door. Um, so we talked to a lot of small businesses that had been renting for 20 years, 30 years, they're building. And if they would have been able to purchase that building, they would have this tangible asset that they could pass on to their families and create generational wealth. And it just opens up possibilities when you start with a hard asset. In the United States, um, I, I think I've seen the average white family has... $117,000 of hard assets, um, and the average African-American family has about $1,700. Um, and so just right there, just that insight, understanding that people are not starting from the same starting point. So collateral is a big piece. Um, and then credit scores. Uh, we started working with a lot of entrepreneurs who are very experienced, but because of their background, history, culture, um, really were suspicious of banks, um, had been victims of predatory lending, or just really, you know, believed that financial security wasn't having cash. And so really didn't think about leveraging debt or capital or building your credit score. Um, and so you had companies, you know, that had a lot of actual cash, but no credit score. And so, um, so that was an interesting finding. So that for us sparked an opportunity. It's like, wow, here's these businesses that have been in business 10, 15 years, have cash, have a vision, have experience, and they are completely blocked out of access to capital. That's who we want to support. Um, so we started the Avanza Empowerment Fund that really narrowly targets experienced entrepreneurs, but because of um, these factors have uh, been prevented. And then we wanted to take an approach of more of an investor than a banker. So we really look at 
hey, we see your hustle, we see your strength, we see your power, and we want to invest in you. So in addition to the loan, um, we provide six months of executive coaching and we provide growth strategies and also access to grants to help, hey, let's get you a new website. Let's just take care of that for you. Um, this is the type of investment that a lot of companies in Silicon Valley have, uh, but it's not really something that's usually available for your Main Street, uh, you know, butcher shop or barber shop. Um, so what we're doing isn't totally new, but it's a new audience and it's kind of a new approach. Now, what do IDAs do in general? And is there anything else that uh, Tucson IDA does that is worth mentioning here? Yeah, so, so we talked about Avanza. We do access to capital. We've been doing small business loans for a number of years. One interesting thing about the IDA is that we've been around since 1979, but I'm the very first employee. So it's both an old organization and a startup, which is unique. Um, so there's, there's a whole small business piece that's part of economic development. A, a large part of what we do is also about the physical landscape. So we really um, help invest in affordable housing and we help um, good development be attracted and, and build in Tucson. Um, so there's a, there's a physical development side and then there's also um, the small business investment side. And then we also focus on housing too. Affordable housing has been a big key. We're a housing finance agency, so we have a, some long-standing housing programs that we've, that we've done. And then in the early days, we started to think about one of the roles of the IDA is to create the 100-year strategy for a region. We're in a unique position because we're quasi-governmental, so we're going to be around forever. Um, but we're not really beholden to voting cycles. So we have an opportunity to create a long-term vision. And envisioning with our board, we started to think about, well, how can we even talk about development in Tucson in the 100-year plan without talking about climate? And thinking about the ways that um, in the desert, we're going to experience uh, climate change in a, in a very visceral way. It's already happening. Um, and so that's where we started to have conversations about Truly, the IDA does need to have a component um, in, in thinking about climate resilience for our region as aligned with our, our goal of creating a 100-year economic vision for our region. And is that why you specifically wanted to start Groundswell Capital, the first green bank in Arizona? I mean, is it mainly just to focus on climate change, or were there other things that the IDA couldn't do that a green bank could do to help in that regard? Yeah, so... so Groundswell Capital is a 501c3 that's, um, you know, nestled under the umbrella of the Tucson IDA. Um, one thing that was challenging just for, you know, when we were trying to work with small businesses is they would never Google industrial development authority. That didn't resonate with them in any way, shape or form. So we're like, okay, we have a branding issue because a lot of the people we want to help would never in a million years think, oh, industrial development authority. I bet they have some resources for me. So, so Groundswell, um, we created Groundswell to be capital direct to consumer um, and just make it a little bit easier for people to say, oh, Groundswell Capital, you know, they invest in equity, innovation, sustainability. And so if you find yourself in one of those buckets, that might be something that you would connect with. And you mentioned the Vansa Fund. So that's the first fund of Groundswell Capital to focus on women, minorities, veteran-owned small businesses. Um, now, I understand that um, Groundswell Capital is applying for a lot of the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund capital. Could you tell me more about those three competitions and how you all are aiming to be involved? 
Yeah, absolutely. And our experience with Avanza is um, really intersects with these opportunities as well. Um, one of the very interesting things about, okay, so you have your Inflation Reduction Act. Under the Inflation Reduction Act, you have $27 billion that is going to the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund. Of that $27 billion, 40% of that needs to serve low-income and underrepresented areas. Um, and so, which is an amazing piece of this legislation, we have the largest ever investment in climate change the United States has ever done, and there is built right into it the understanding that communities that have been underserved, underinvested in, are going to receive the uh, the brunt of the first challenges. And, and, you know, so I think that was really incredible. And it also helped us because we've been working with population, low-income populations, underserved areas. Um, we wanted to bring some of those learnings into climate finance. Um, and so this, this has been a great opportunity. One of the submissions that we worked for was the Solar for All, and that is um, $250 million for the state of Arizona to invest specifically in low-income residential. Um, and so we are the fiscal agent with the Governor's Office of Sustainability to help deploy this capital. Um, and we're, we're doing it, it's not just us direct to the folks. What we're actually trying to do is invest in stakeholders and communities and nonprofits and sort of scale up our entire capital landscape across the state and our workforce and our nonprofits to get everybody working together and aligned on, on this challenge because uh, it is a big challenge to deploy uh, clean energy technology in Arizona. There's mixed feelings about it in Arizona. Um, there's we've had a really spotty history. So we see this as an investment in creating a new market, a new chapter for clean energy in Arizona. And we're using this capital to spur that change. What are some of the things that you hope to see uh, change the most or be created, not only in Arizona, but possibly the broader region or the world uh, from this greenhouse gas reduction fund and work from other green banks in the nation? I think one of the really powerful things about the way that this funding has been structured and the way that it's been positioned, it's been done at the same time as we're seeing a once in a hundred year reshoring of American industry, reindustrialization policy. So there's all these big economic pieces that are moving and then nestled in there is, is this strong stance on on clean energy. And so what I'm really hoping with these dollars is that we can stop fighting about this issue and that everybody can see the benefits of having clean energy, um, see it as an economic opportunity, using these dollars to solve challenges that communities across the country have. How can we use clean energy as a seamless part of our affordable housing techniques? How can we use this as part of our workforce techniques? How can we use this as part of our transportation? And just, so that's, that's what I'm really hoping this, this funding will help reduce some of the conflict on this topic and will bring people to the table because it's, uh, it's enough capital to get people interested. Uh, and then you can kind of talk about, you know, what does a clean energy future look like for your community? How can you benefit? How does it solve problems for you? Um, so that's sort of like the vehicle in. Obviously, I mean, we really need to focus in a very intense way about, uh, you know, reducing greenhouse gases. This is an urgent problem that everybody needs to be focused on. Um, and 
when you look at the numbers, capital is a central part of that story. You can talk about, you know, technology. You can talk about, uh, you know, hopes and prayers and thoughts and wishes. But at the end of the day, capital will move the needle to make big investments. Um, and we know that in order to meet some of our climate objectives, just to stay where we are, we're going to need $3.5 trillion. And that's not going to come from the government. That's going to come from mobilization of private capital and public capital and mobilization of uh, just like a, a retooling of the American economy to focus on this problem. Um, so so that's, that's kind of, I think, a piece that people don't think about, especially if you're in kind of circles where you work with, you know, a lot of environmentals and NGOs. Um, a lot of them don't feel comfortable talking about uh, this is a numbers problem. This is a math problem. And we need to, like, uh, think about capital as part of the solution. So a green, Arizona didn't have a green bank. We don't have a vehicle to start infusing this capital in public-private ways. Um, and so this was a key instrument that we needed to bring to Arizona in order to be even a player in all of this movement that's happening. And I know you mentioned a few times about market making and things like that. It, it seems like the concept is, is that this is not the total amount of money that's needed forever, but if we can create a market um, that is self-sustaining and then like goes on its own, that's kind of the bigger goal. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's a role of government, which is, hey, we know private markets can do a lot, um, but you kind of said got to get them pointed in a direction, you know? And so I think that's where the government investment is. We can be the first capital in. We can be the riskiest capital. Um, we can be sort of the seed funders and, you know, the visionaries of, of, of pointing uh, private capital in the right direction. Um, in a way that benefits all of all of our citizens and residents. So that's the that's the kind of interplay. Yes, this is not gonna this is a drop in the bucket. Twenty seven billion is a drop in the bucket of the three point five trillion we need. Uh, but it it gets the gears churning. It gets people interested. It gets people to the table. It starts conversations, and it just um, it really starts the transformation that we need to see. So it's a Kickstarter. Kind of looping back to the beginning, um, we talked about, you know, people without credit scores or without collateral. It kind of also reminds me in the uh, scope of climate change, um, people that are, are the worst off and that have the least opportunities are also the most affected by climate right. change. Yeah. Is that a part of this, too? That's exactly it. I mean, back to, yeah, this this is why I'm really interested in the Justice 40 component of it um, is let's get let's get those folks assisted now. Like as the home or private markets are trying to figure out which way they're gonna go and we're trying to get all these new technologies going, one cool thing about the solar for all is immediately people will feel it in their bank account. They, because we are deploying so much solar and energy savings, those families are gonna start feeling savings immediately. We don't have to wait for the entire economy to like solve itself. Um, so there's an immediacy, um, especially when you're talking about folks that have traditionally been left to get the trickle down crumbs at the end. Um, and so this is an interesting approach to change where it's like, let's start with savings for the most vulnerable first. And then um, let's get everybody, you know, the markets engaged in, in, in sort of those, those wheels going. So it's an interesting approach and I think it's a just one and I think it 
I'm I'm really grateful to participate in in this kind of moment in history in which these confluence of factors happened and we could be here to to kind of bring it to our community. Ten years from now, what's the future you hope to see then uh, that you are working on today? I I think it kind of goes to there's a stagnation that we've experienced. There's sort of, we've sort of been sleepwalking through this climate issue um, and kind of knowing it, kicking it down and. Um, I really am excited in 10 years that, that we will have kind of shaken off the sleepies and we're focused and we're, um, we're, we stopped fighting and we're all kind of, um, there's an alignment with, okay, we, let's address this because really when, well, I, you know, when, when the American people put their mind to something, you can see amazing things, but we've just been, we've just been sort of, um, yeah, sleepwalking. So there's there's this excitement that I have about reaching across aisles, reaching to communities that this triggers them, but being able to say, hey, we're, we're solving solutions that matter to you. And starting at that place of empathy, compassion, connection, um, and, and reducing conflict, reducing, you know, the the back and forth that it's been, that, that would, for me would feel very transformational and exciting. Well, Dre, thanks very much for coming on our show. If listeners are interested in learning more about what you're doing, where can people find you online? Yeah, we have, um, so the Tucson IDA, if you're interested in learning about the, that organization, it's tucsonida.org, um, and then Groundswell Capital, uh, groundswellcapital.org is, is the new website that you can uh, sort of access our capital project, our products. Excellent. Dre, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. And thanks to you, my dear listener, for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and being good. Take care and see you soon.